The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Hello and happy holidays and welcome to Capital Weekly's regular podcast, our holiday edition. Holiday edition means that everybody was out of town and didn't want to join us. So it's just Tim and I, Tim Foster and I, my colleague, we're going to talk about what were the big stories this year and at some point get into who had the worst week. Tim, what do you think? What was your take on this year and the big stories? This was a pretty crazy news year. Uh, I think we can all agree on that. And I actually, if I looked at the single biggest California politics news story, I think it's that tape in LA. I've never seen anything like that. I mean, in the scheme of things, what did it really mean? It wasn't like a terrorist attack or something like that. Yeah. But it was a bombshell. And I mean, it cost several people their jobs. Uh, we'll see what Kevin DeLeon <laughs> does. He's holding on for dear life. Gil yeah. Cedillo is still holding on for dear life. Uh, it was, I mean, that was something I, I've just never seen before. Who do you think, who do you think leaked that tape? How do you think that came out? That's still a matter of interest. You know, at least to me it is. You know? Yeah. You know, I, I mean, obviously somebody's ox got gored and they wanted to leak that that tape, I mean, I think it was an intentional leak to cause damage, but yeah. boy, I just don't know. Yeah. I mean, I did read somewhere that there was a belief that it was someone who had worked the labor fed, yeah. but I have not seen that confirmed. I'm not really, uh, I, I didn't see compelling evidence. I mean, it makes sense, but I don't know that that's true. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, I, without a scintilla of evidence, I think the leak somehow came through the labor fed too. Somebody familiar with the, with the room arrangements there, the the conferencing, the the electronics, even I guess this bug was put in the phone. I think I read that early on, uh, a phone that was on the desk there. So I'm like you, I don't know what happened, but it got an amazing amount of coverage and follow-up coverage, and it certainly made a big deal, had an impact in L.A. And oh. it's still, coverage is still going on. There. Oh, yeah, one, well, and, and then that follow-up story where Kevin DeLeon gets in, a tussle with an activist who's following, taunting him, following him around. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was, again, I mean, how often do you see a politician on camera in what looks like a fist fight, basically? You know, I mean, it, like, this whole thing really was pretty spectacular as far as political news. Yeah. I mean, it was no shrimp boy, but, but I mean, it was pretty, <laughs> right. it was pretty big. Yeah, so, I, you know, I feel for like, just single California political news stories. That's probably yeah. the biggest one. The other one, of course, the elections in November. Yeah. There was a lot going on there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, my choice for top story of the year is still housing and homelessness and the economic impacts of that and all the ancillary stories that go along with that. Uh, obviously, the mental care, uh, mental health care issue um, came to a head. Governor Newsom signed the care court bill. That was a big piece of homelessness. Uh, the drain on the budget, the spending, the locals trying to get around state regulations and how they're going to how they're going to build affordable housing—that's a huge piece there. Uh, I thought that was—I I, I would put that as number one. I, the story about California's budget last year, we had that amazing surplus. It was in—I think it was triple digits, like a hundred billion dollars or something. This year, the newest budget coming up—we'll hear about here in a week or two. Uh, likely will have a 25 or 26 billion dollar shortage or deficit going in, which is a big deal in a year when you hope to spend money and you may not be able to do what you spent. So I argue, and politically, uh, there are big ramifications for budgeting. So, um, 
So I think that was a pretty big story too. There were a lot think, of other ones. I think that was a huge story, but that was a sort of a slow rolling. Oh yeah. You know, it, it just, it wasn't the earthquake. It's a tsunami. Yeah. It, it hasn't, it's like a wave that comes in and doesn't end. You know? Yeah. It just keeps coming. So that's a story that I feel like that was a big story two yeah. years ago. It's a big story this year. It'll be, yeah. a, I'm sure it'll be a big story yeah. next year. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're not going to solve the homeless crisis. I mean, God, we'll be lucky to solve it in the 2020s, yeah. frankly. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree. It's uh, it's always with us, you know. Um, uh, the I had the race tapes, the L.A. leaked a bit down, but I did have um, the Southwest Airlines meltdown as a big story, obviously. Uh, the way I understand it, reading this morning, I saw a New York Times story. Over a few days, they canceled 60% of their of their flights. They had people stranded all over the place. People coming back to California couldn't get back there. People leaving, uh, wanting to leave California to go travel in the holidays couldn't get there. Uh, it was just an enormous uh, muddle. And now even the feds are investigating it. I'm not sure where this is all going to lead. As I understand it, as of this morning, Southwest getting back to normal. They're not completely there yet, but they're getting close. And that's, I think, good news for everybody. Yeah, and I did see, I think it was uh, Ash Kalra was... Uh he was fencing uh, on Twitter with, uh, I think, the, the husband of Pete Buttigieg. You know, like nobody's somebody's looking for some blame to throw around. You know, um, so uh, I'm sure you'll be seeing politicians blaming each other for this very shortly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what'd you think about the election? We talked about this a little bit before. Uh, you know, the ballot props, especially the re-election of the governor is usually a big story, but this year was or pretty much, I think, taken for granted, at least by us. Um, but what about those ballot props and especially Prop 30? What what happened with Prop 30? What happened with the gambling initiatives? That's yeah. uh, an amazing. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what happened with the gambling initiatives. People gamble and they lost. Is it, right? is it, as Richard Schutz says, if you underestimate the California tribes, you are in big trouble and you're going to lose. Yeah. And the the folks, you know, FanDuel, DraftKings, et cetera, that, that conglomerate, vastly underestimated uh the tribal uh the tribal moves that were, were coming forward yeah. on that and they lost i mean i Big did time. i see that that was the worst loss in like 80 yeah. years or something oh, yes. i mean it was pretty dramatic and they spent a lot of money they hired a lot of smart people um and then I, they stopped another thing interesting about this campaign is it stopped the pro online gaming people stopped spending money Right, because they knew it was over. They knew yeah. it was weeks before. Which was frankly smart. Yeah. And they, they pull back millions upon millions of dollars in advertising. I haven't seen that happen out on that scale before. No, but I think that was actually, I think they, I mean, if you're 25 points down at a certain point, why throw good money sure. after bad? Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I get that. And this is a, a wise decision or not. The magnitude of the decision, I think, is unprecedented in California. Maybe there have been some other elections I don't know about where one of the proponents Stop spending millions upon millions of dollars in the last three money that had already been had already been allocated. Yeah, um, that was kind of weird. That was a weird. That was weird. Well, and yeah. I, the Prop Thirty thing I think was so interesting because I really could have seen that going the other way had Governor Newsom yeah. embraced it, had Governor Newsom endorsed it, and and kind of worked his worked his magic there. I think that might have been able to make make yeah. the hurdle. I agree. But instead, he came out against it. Uh, had his own reasons. It surprised a lot of people, including the backers of yeah. the initiative. Mm-hmm. And what do you think was going on there politically for Newsom? I mean, the, the most logical explanation I've heard is that 
this was basically a sop to the CTA. CTA did not want Prop 30. They wanted any extra money going to education, and Newsom, in the end of the day, basically agreed with them. But there may be other things going on, too. You know, you know I mean, I, I should ask uh, Anthony York. Uh, what, but my, I kind of think there's probably some of that, because the CTA, CTA are allies to the governor, close allies. But I really think that by putting something like that in the Constitution through yeah. a, through a uh, ballot initiative, the governor and the government and the legislature have less control on that spending. And I think that, I think if this was something where they had worked a similar kind of idea, but had more flexibility of maybe, uh, in times of, of trouble limiting that, if there had been, if it had been a legislative approach to that, I think maybe it would have worked. I mean, maybe the governor would have supported it. Uh-huh. Uh, this is pure speculation on my part. Yeah, I sure. don't know. Yeah. But I mean, I do think that, we take it for granted here that we change the constitution in California all the time. Mm-hmm. And in some states, you can't even do that. And in some states, it's much more difficult to do. And I, I can see that maybe he just thought, you know what? This is not a terrible idea, but we could do this where we, where the government has more control over this and we can respond, you know, with, if there's a recession or if there's, you know, really good tax times, but just throwing this thing in that then you're stuck with a la, you know, Prop 13, we're stuck with that. Good luck getting rid of Prop 13 now that it's there. And it has had this huge impact. Not to say that Prop 30 would have had anywhere near that kind of impact. But I think that maybe it was just a hesitancy to modify the Constitution versus just passing a regular bill, which which included more controls. Okay. That sounds very reasonable and intelligent. It might even be true. It might even be true. (laughs) Okay, so here's the story. Um, that really struck me as odd. I saw this about a week ago, I guess, maybe a little more. Four newly elected Latino members of the legislature, four Republicans, want to be in the Latino caucus in the legislature. They are excluded. They are barred from the Latino caucus is all Democrat. And they don't want four Republican Latinos in the caucus, which strikes me as really bizarre. And it turns out there's one other caucus that's essentially race-based, and that's the um, Asian American uh, Pacific Islander well, caucus. Well, there's also the Black Caucus. Yeah. Well, uh, well, that's true. But do they leave out? Do they deny uh, Republicans? Are there Black Republicans that's out there? That's a good question. But the but um, I'm trying to think back if I remember any, and I the years are getting blurred now. But it just seems to me that if you have a, a caucus with members of shared experience a Latino Hispanic background, it seems to me you want uh, Latinos, whether they're in your party, whether they're independents, whether whatever, in the caucus. But no, their rules are, much to my amazement, it's always been like this. For years, it's been like this. So I thought that was a really interesting story. I don't know how many people covered it, but I saw Matthew Miranda in the Sacramento Bee did a really good story on it. And I think that was a major story of the year, and it's gone basically under everybody's radar except a few people, and probably those people who are Latinos and newly elected to the legislature. So, yeah. I don't know. I can't explain it, but I throw it out there for what it's worth, you know? Yeah, and, you know, not in any shape, any shape of scale, but if you're talking about our audience and the people we sort of cover, I think it's a big news that they're, yeah. they're changing the bash. I mean, the bash oh, is yeah, not, yeah. you know, point. they're not doing the, the gigantic, over-the-top, you know, expensive musical entertainment, everybody you've ever seen in Sacramento crammed into, into, uh, the cafeteria. 
they're not doing that this year. The 2023, the 2023 bash will be very scaled back, very different type of uh, thing. Sort of more like the very first one they ever did. Do you know where it's going to be? Uh, that's a good question. I, I should know that, but I do not remember. But I mean, it's just like in the scheme of things, that's not a big story. But I'm sure every yeah. every staffer who was counting on getting those little free drink beads is like, what the heck? <laughs> so, <laughs> it's great for networking, too. So Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, in the Capitol, speaking of the Capitol stories, uh, we had a speakership fight that um, ended with uh, Robert Rivas becoming the new speaker next year. I think early, I think early in the spring, won't be in January, uh, after he and Anthony Rendon and their respective supporters got to an agreement to have a peaceful sort of a segue, not go to, to immediately to a vote uh, on the speakership and change, um, you know, vacate the chair immediately and go for a replacement. So that... That grand scheme of things, I don't think 99.9% of Californians know the difference between one legislator or the other, or speakership or not. Yeah. But for the Capitol, it's it's a pretty big deal. And what, and as far as their votes, I'm sure the uh, Rendon and Rivas probably will vote, if not in sync, very closely. Yeah. But it'll be the way they handle the committee assignments, etc. Sure. You know, speaking of the legislature, this happened so long ago, it almost doesn't even seem like it's a story from this year, but... Uh, Lorena Gonzalez leaving the legislature on January 1st, I yeah. think, or was it January 2nd? That's a good pick. That was a, I mean, that was a huge, yeah. huge story. She was such a force of nature in the legislature. And, a, a, you know, one of the lobbyists said that she was, after the speaker, the most important legislator in, yeah. in the building. Yeah. Uh, and she went to the labor fed, speaking of the labor fed. Yeah. And after vigorously denying that she was going to, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but she went there and that, I mean, Again, that happened 360 days ago or something like yeah. that. Uh, but that was a huge story that had massive impacts through the year. Yeah. That, you know, and that UFW bill actually really not going to affect that many people's lives in the scheme of things. But the fact that a variation on that bill has come up and come up and come up and then finally yeah. made the hurdle and then not only got passed but signed by the governor this year. Kind of a big, it's a big story. For the and UFW who are kind of... Uh, I mean, they were such a force for so long in Sacramento, and then they have really been a much quieter, you know, group. And they they have not made as much noise for a long time. And this is really kind of a little bit of a comeback for yeah. them. I agree. Yeah, that was a surprise. That was a, partly the biggest surprise for me about her going to the labor fed was taking UFW with her, having yeah. that kind of package. That was pretty good. Um, you know, if we had done this list three weeks ago or four weeks ago, we probably would have had drought somewhere near the top. But now we've had so much rain. Uh, the drought's not over. Um, our reservoirs are not filled yet, although they're inching upwards. Yeah. Is one, one description I have. But the, but the rain and the drought kind of come together and climate change is still a, obviously is a big thing. And California is still uh, legislatively at the forefront of that. Some supporters, though, of climate change action are very disappointed in the governor. Um, I think for Prop 30 is a big piece of that, but there's some other things out there as well. Uh, CEQA still exists, but has been weakened. And for, for real stalwart environmentalists, CEQA is important to keep. For others, yeah. not so important. So climate issues still at the top. It's well, kind of like housing. You know? I think that ties into one of what you had said was one of the other big issues, which I totally agree with you, was gas prices, yeah. which was a national and even international issue, but in California, because everyone drives and everyone drives long distances to work, uh, that was a huge, huge issue. Yeah, I, you know, my personal belief is that that had, 
had a big impact on the November elections. Uh, and, you know, the Democrats were, were doing even better than they did. They did better than expected in many ways as for a midterm. But before the gas prices went sky high, they were doing even better in the polling. So I think that that actually worked to the benefit of Republicans. Uh, but it's interesting that this is, you know, we're going to have to do something about climate change nationally, internationally, California. California has been a leader on that for decades. Um, and I think the gas prices and wildfires and climate change, all that ties in together. And it's a really complicated mix. But that is going to be a bigger story, especially as we get closer to 2035, which is when California ostensibly is no longer going to sell gasoline-powered cars. Uh, that's that's only going to be a bigger story going forward. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yep. Going through my carefully researched list of stories here. <laughs> um, oh, uh, this is one I'm, I'm lifting wholeheartedly here from Jefferson Public Radio. They had their list. And one of the issues on their list was the, uh, of the top five stories. One of the top five was the proportion of women in the legislature, the proportion of LGBTQ members of the legislature. 41% of California's legislature are women, wow. uh, which is less than the population, representative population of a whole. But in terms of legislative history, it's a big deal. 10% are openly about, as according to um, Jefferson Public Radio, 10% are members of the LGBTQ community. Interesting. That's a lot. And so there is, you can make the argument that California's legislature is more rapidly becoming uh, representative of California society as a whole, which I think is a, which is a really interesting story and deserves recognition. And that's why I'm mentioning it, basically. Yeah. Um, that's all I know. You got any extras you want to add? Uh, I did. I just thought of one. Um Oh, yeah. Another story, I think, that got a lot of attention. And in fact, frankly, I think got maybe more attention than it was due was the Chesapeake recall. Oh, uh -huh. that was a big deal when it happened. It got covered nationally. It was seen as a basically it was indicating the way the public was responding to policing matters, and all that stuff. I don't know that that's really the case. And especially the way the midterms played out. I don't know that that. Uh, fulfills that hypothesis. I think there may have been more of a personal issue in that Chesa Boudin himself wasn't that popular. He was chosen through, I believe, a ranked choice voting system in San Francisco. So he never had a majority of the people that wanted him in the first place, even when he was elected. Yeah, uh -huh. I think that played into it. San Francisco, San Francisco politics are a thing unto themselves in a lot of ways. Yeah. And uh, he did lose his election. I mean, he did lose that recall pretty pretty handily. Uh, I I don't know that his replacement, Brooke Jenkins, is that popular at the moment. You know, I mean, she did, she was more popular than him, but that's a low bar. Did I read that he may run again? You know, you may have read that, but I, good Lord. Yeah. I mean, if I was him, I, I guess maybe I'm, I don't, not a glutton for punishment, but I'd <laughs> stay home and find something else to do. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that was a huge story. And it, frankly, it, I think it really got more coverage than it deserved because people were trying to make make it more of a national and you know, like statewide issue, and really it was more local. Yeah. I mean, because then Gascon, uh, in down in Los Angeles, who was being targeted the same way, that didn't even qualify for a recall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, you know, another story I was 
thinking about too, mainly because we played Capital Weekly had a had a uh, we spent a lot of resources on this issue on on caring for the mentally ill. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, in a number of ways, but um, the the focus of our stories was the creation of uh, the California Care Court, which in fact the governor approved and which goes into effect with expanding to some counties next year, and then more after that, I think 2025. But the idea is to get people who need mental treatment into mentally, you know, into mental care facilities, having a legal mechanism to do that without violating their rights, uh, but have them take care in some sort of mandatory fashion. The idea being this help protects them, but it also helps people get off the streets and homeless. So I don't know where that story goes in the ranking of things, but I think it's pretty big a story. And um, for what it's worth, I offer that. Yeah, I would say that story in the long run, that may be the most important story of this year. Yeah. Uh, and it depends on whether or not it works. I know that it's being fought in court. Uh, I'm sure the ACLU is is fighting it tooth and nail yeah, uh, and other, other yeah. civil rights groups. And if... If it ends up living up to its billing, the billing that the governor and a lot of the advocates say it will, then it will be a real game changer on getting people off the streets. And because, frankly, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've known people who have had significant mental illness. I've known people who've been homeless and people who've had really severe drug addictions and alcohol addictions. And sometimes they don't want help. Yeah. You know, they would rather just be uh, in their own world and... From what I at least read and from what I understand, they will be forced to address what's going on with them and, you know, they'll be forced to seek care. I think the the analogy I saw is that if you had someone that was, uh, you know, <laughs> had COVID, you would take them off the street and you would treat them for COVID whether or not they wanted it. That would, you know, by law that's allowed. But if they have schizophrenia, you take them off the street and after three days they say, I want to go. You have to let them go. And it's like, why Why do you have to treat or why sure. can you treat someone for COVID? Then you have this other thing that's actually probably more of a devastating illness. Yeah. And they can choose not to get treated there. So we'll see. But I think in the long run, that could be the big story yeah. of, you know, this could, looking back, this may have been the biggest yeah. story of the year. Yeah. So um, Now, moving right along, uh, I think it's time for who had the worst week in California politics. There you go. The worst week. Worst week. Worst week. What do you think? You know, and this was it was a slow week. Uh, yeah. Although I think talking about this, it may be a stretch to call this political, but I'm sure Southwest's lobbyist, <laughs> Southwest Air, their lobbyist you is know, having like, a who pretty is Southwest lobbyist here. We could we should call them up, and make fun of them. It's the holidays. Who is that anyway? Uh, I don't you know, even know. A good question. But whoever it is, they're probably uh, <laughs> hiding under their desk right now. Just look for the person who's been most adamantly opposed to high speed rail yeah. in Sacramento. That's probably the person. Well, that would be Elon Musk, I think. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, well, actually, Elon Musk. You know, this is a never a good. We can just you know we forgot all about him, but yeah. uh, he's always a good a good target. And I did see that. When I last checked, Tesla stock had dropped over 70% in the last 13 months. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that wow. is, that is pretty crappy. That's, and you know, they're, they but he's having fun on Twitter, right? <laughs> what a joy. Yeah. <laughs> I saw some numbers on Southwest. We mentioned a little bit earlier, but, um, 60% of their flights were canceled. Uh, as of this morning, according to what I read this morning, they're starting to get back to normal. 
their cancellations were in double digits as opposed to <clears throat> triple digits or more earlier. Uh, they had a day where they canceled 1,656, another day where they canceled 2,300. I don't know if they had that many flights out there, you know. Uh, clearly, they had a problem. Now, their problem has been compounded because there's investigations. The feds want to get in and investigate how the hell did this happen, and Biden got into that publicly. So Southwest is not based here. It's based in Dallas. But Southwest is, for whatever reason, viewed as kind of an unofficial airline in California because so many people take it in commutes north to south, south to north, etc. One issue that came up was the... Um, the cost of going from Southwest in a normal time, from say LA, say San Francisco, Sacramento to LA, which I think we've taken many times. So, yeah. uh, what, 100 and a half, 120, 130. Uh, prices were up to 1,500, 2,000 to go to one way to go to Los Angeles. I don't know who was offering that, but that was the rumor out there. You could take, um, you know, the gold plated two star airline and get you down there or something, but they, but gouging the customers. Wow. So if there's anything I want the feds to look at when they're done looking at Southwest, how about looking at price gougers? You know? Yeah. So wow. For what but it's worth. If we were smart, we would have rented a minivan and yeah, driven absolutely. people from LA to... I did see, uh, I think it was Maya Poland uh, had posted a photo of just luggage as far as you could see in the uh, terminal and just saying like, Hey, this is for all those capital staffers trying to get back from their holidays and not making it. So maybe the capital staffers who were traveling, they had the worst week or maybe the best week. They don't have to deal with all this crap all and they can work from, work from home. But, uh, yep. yeah, so it uh, works for me. So happy new year, everyone. I know it's, uh, this will be posting, I think on the second. Yeah. Uh, so okay. we will, uh, we will be here for the rest of the year. Great. Tim, happy holidays. Thanks, Sean. Uh, all happy holidays, and we will see you in a few days, hopefully. The Capital Weekly Podcast is produced by Tim Foster for Open California. If you enjoyed today's episode, we hope you'll go onto iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a positive review. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week.